Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Ape Snake! Yeah, It'll make sense later. It will, and it will disappoint you. Um, <laughs> we've got a great episode today. It is uh, the conclusion to the Brahmites uh, series that we have been doing. And um, God, is it infuriating and goofy in all the best ways uh yes indeed and i want to thank Paige for doing this series and for bringing this as we mentioned at the end it is wild and somehow has gotten more and more wild each episode yep uh this one does not disappoint you are going to love it um we also wanted to give a quick shout out to andrea gazetta who uh their book is uh in pre-order right now and you can mm-hmm. get that. Uh, you have to, two days left. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, more information's definitely on her Instagram, at Andrea Gazetta. Um, or go to andreagazetta.com and uh, check out that book. It's real good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, go to patreon.com slash podcast to help support the show. And uh, yeah, without any further ado, let's hop into this bad boy. Hello. 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 Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits. And as always, these these are are our opinions. opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us, we have bizarre theories about snakes. Hell I'll get to yeah. it later. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's finally time somebody brought the heat to these slithery little bastards. Snakes have had supremacy long enough. Yeah, the snakes have been ruling our country for far too long. Oh my goodness. I... I have never laughed harder, and I think it got cut out of the episode. I don't remember, but uh, Mikey went on a date with a girl who kept her thermostat at like seventy-eight degrees in the house. Uh-huh. We're talking like, like outside sunny day levels of heat yeah. in the house. <laughs> and we joked comparing her to a lizard, and he was like, "Look, I know your people run the government or whatever." <laughs> like, and it took me like a beat to realize he meant reptilians. <laughs> Really? Well, that's really what that's funny. what a lot of people think is that like when I say Joe Biden is a reptilian, they think I'm crazy. But like, have you ever seen Joe Biden? Look closely. He's a Vaughn's shopping bag full of snakes. All right. <laughs> I don't mean that he himself is a reptile. I mean that he is composed of several <laughs> different reptiles. My man's like got an iguana for a leg. Voltron. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Oh man. Oh. Well. Oh, that's nothing compared to how weird today is going to get. I hope you're ready. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's uh, just phenomenal. I mean, here's the thing. A lot of times when I read some of the things that people will claim as cult leaders, I'm just like, that's strange. This one was one where I was like, I'm sorry. He said what? 
people didn't just like cart him off like what are we doing here yeah i mean i would like to remind you that we just experienced a cult leader who lied about having plates uh for most of his life and this is so much weirder yeah that's what i'm saying it's like it, it never ceases to surprise me the level of wow I, I would i don't even know what i would call it like the level of bullshit people are willing to come up with i know well it, here's the weird thing about this one and we'll get into it kind of as we go through there is a point in this episode where i think he has started to believe his own bullshit hell yeah and that that's when it just gets way weirder and and he starts like starting fights with people and it's just like how can you deny that god has ordained me to do this and you're just like bro you were there you know it wasn't real like what are we doing here no so, i actually it gets love strange it. real fast i love it i love so much when somebody starts believing in their own bullshit that's my favorite part of every cult well, get ready, because it's a real weird part of this one. Uh, let's go through sources real fast and get it out of the way. We have two articles by Stephen Hassan. Uh, one, The Message Cult, and two, The Racist Effects of William Branham's Message Churches. Uh, we have a an article by David Harrell called All Things Are Possible, The Healing and Charismatic Revivals in Modern America. We have another book by Randy James, or I'm sorry, James Randy. I have, this, <laughs> I have this written in like actual, you know, formatted correctly. So it's the last name first. James Randy. Uh, it's called The Faith Healers. Uh, we also have a writing from Alfred Pohl, who we talked very briefly about last week, but he was a contemporary of Branham's who then disagreed with a lot of the faith healing. So like he was in it and then was like, this is not great. So he actually wrote uh, kind of a, a shorter book called 17 Reasons Why I Left the Tongues Movement is what he calls it. Ah. Um, I think tongues movement is a real wild name to call this, but sure. And I think it sounds real lame that you uh, left it, Mr. Pohl. I feel like if anyone <laughs> is going to want to be around several tongues, it's a guy whose last name is Pohl. <laughs> uh, and then we have Douglas C. Weaver, uh, who wrote The Healer Prophet, uh, William Marion Branham, A Study of the Prophetic in American Pentecostalism uh, from Mercer University Press. So, I know, are you ready? I know that his name is James Randi, but when you said it incorrectly, it sounded like British <laughs> slang for a, just a real horny guy. It sounded like Dirty Randy on the yeah. league, where it's like Randy James. <laughs> oh, you mean Randy James over there? Randy yeah. Randy James. Or Randy James, who be pulling his jewels behind the fence at the school, and you're like, oh no, oh no. Just I don't say, think Randy's the right word. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say about Randy James, yeah. He, uh, he, he couldn't even come up with one reason to leave the group of tongues. You know what I'm saying? I can't <laughs> do that. He's got 17 reasons to stay or to come. <laughs> God, Randy James. <laughs> Love that. Yes, I am ready. Sorry. So those are all of our sources. It's a lot of sources around kind of what happened around, around this time period and then a few of them about his life particularly. So if you'll remember, we ended the last episode with tax evasion. Oh, yeah. A good place to end. A good place to end. And as you'll remember, Gordon Lindsay, who was his manager, who was embezzling $80,000 a year from him 
which in modern day equivalent was close to hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Jesus. He walks with unscathed, completely unscathed, and all of the tax burden falls to William Branham. Uh, this leaves him, understandably, a little upset, um, especially because even though he was collecting all of this money, so he was still conning all these people, he just wasn't making any money off of it. So at this point, his empire is crumbling around him. And other faith healers decided to take that opportunity to profit from his absence. So during this time, Oral Roberts, he's back again, coming at it again with the white fans. Um, Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts hanging out with Randy James, baby. (laughs) Damn, Oral. Yeah, it's just Oral and Billy Graham in particular grow their audiences to thousands and thousands and thousands of people at this time, in part because while William is having tax problems, they instead invested in the benefits of the new media on the block, television. Ooh. So his competitors become the first televangelists. And even as televangelism has grown, his methods are still used. They're using everything they learned from him to create TV evangelist empires. And while that's happening, his audience is declining because he's been accused of fraud. And by accused, I mean he definitely committed fraud. And the tax problems were widely publicized. So people knew that he was mishandling his money. And he wasn't on TV. So he started to fade into the background. So he starts publicly shaming and trying to start fights with all of his former friends who are now on TV. <laughs> and he, he, I mean, doesn't it sound like half the people we know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> That's what happens is he, he just sounds like a typical Los Angeles person where your friend gets on TV and you're like, well, you know, he was actually like really bad at like uh, beer pong and I was actually really good. So that should be my opportunity. Hi, Randy James. Good to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you. Uh, I I had the opposite of this where you and I both have friends who are who, their TV show is on right now and it's doing very well and it's very, very, very funny. Yeah. Uh, everyone watched this fool on Hulu and I have been loving it. And then every once in a while I hear someone like, well, my show would be cool too. And I'm like, no, it wouldn't. It's not as good as that show. <laughs> Fuck it. Shut your face. <laughs> like, yeah. This fool is amazing. If you write something that amazing, come tell us, but you didn't. So don't worry about it. Yeah. Just, oh. it's, I don't know if you're a cult leader and your other cult leader buddies just start popping up on TV, just be happy. All right. Just share the word. Be happy and enjoy getting to watch Jamar neighbors as a cupcake obsessed <laughs> former convict. <laughs> just embrace it. Which isn't just even a it. character. That's just Jamar. No, that That's my favorite thing ever. So my parents know about Jamar, but I've never met Jamar. And I see Jamar weekly. So, like, I'm used to the whirlwind that is Jamar Neighbors. And my parents just, like, texted me. They were like, we watched this fool on Hulu. And when we saw that Jamar was, we lost our minds. He's the funniest part of the show. And I was like, no, that's just, like, that's just a Tuesday. (laughs) That's just what it's normally like. Oh man! Great. They, one of the Super best compliments great. that I have ever gotten is at Funhouse. Uh, we did uh, a video that was uh, like a Funhouse public broadcasting, and it was called "What's That? 
what's that game? And uh, it was like a fully scripted, like basically like video, like a like a, almost uh. like a short film that uh, was really fun. And apparently. John Holland, who wrote it, initially had written it while he was working at Adult Swim, and it was a uh, it was a piece that they did for Jamar Neighbors, <laughs> and the character I was playing. They were like, yeah, that was going to be Jamar's character. And I'm reading this script and I'm like, yeah, this seems right. Yeah. Should I put on a fake mohawk and yell at people? Yeah. 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 They were like, we just thought you had the right energy. And I was like, okay, thank you. (laughs) When Quentin Tarantino was at Rose Battle a couple weeks ago, Jamar like stomped through the green room giving a pep talk. And he was just like, hey, y'all. Quentin Tarantino's in the house. Enough of your basic shit. You got to bring it to the top. You got to do your best. It's Quentin Tarantino. Take your fucking shoes off. Do what you need to do. It's time to win. And then he just walked out of the room. Oh, my God. <laughs> the funniest shit ever. I loved it so much. The only thing uh, that could have made that better is if he walked out and it wasn't like Tarantino. It was just like it was some just a white random guy. guy. Yeah, or even better if you walked out and it was like Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> Oh, oh. I anyway, I, watch this fool on Hulu. Yeah, I hope this has been <laughs> funny great. for you, audience. <laughs> yeah, I, for those of you who don't know Jamar, I am sorry. <laughs> yeah, get get on in that. Um, get get in that. Uh, watch him in Keanu, where he plays Stitches and also basically plays himself. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Anyway, back back to this cult. So, uh, he starts starting fights with all his friends on TV. Uh, and he specifically is trying to say that they are just after it for the money. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But like everyone saw his tax problems. So they're like, okay, like, w- do you think you weren't like, what are you, what? No, see, like, just cause you're bad at managing it. No, see, I'm not in it for the money. And that's why I'm so bad at taxes. All right. If, right. You were, if, if, if I was in it for the money, you know how good my taxes would be. Look at how yeah. it, historically everyone who isn't in it for the money, bad taxes, Al Capone in it, not in it for the money. No. Uh, <laughs> Donald J. Trump, not in it for the not money. Not in it for the money. <laughs> We're in it for the love of the game. Being a <laughs> shitty person, baby. Yes. So it took him a while to find one up and coming evangelist who he thought wasn't in it for the money <laughs> and he found that person in indiana <laughs> now at the time i guess that's... if you've already figured it out high five yeah. <laughs> sorry continue <laughs> at the time this young evangelist he found was rejecting current denominationalism so he wasn't a part of any specific denomination and he had formed kind of a more revolutionary Christianity adjacent personal religion. And all the money he raised went to his congregation to help their day to day needs, paying light bills, etc. If you haven't guessed it yet, that man is Jim Jones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 Oh, man. So Branham and Jim Jones become pen pals. And he's like giving him tips, trying to, you know, convince him to grow his group and trying to give him tips on how to do so. And Jones was not dumb. I mean, here's we have not covered Jonestown yet, but one of the things that we will have to focus on when we do is that Jim Jones had a pretty fantastic mind for branding. 
And this is just one of many examples of that. And it's terrifying because that's how he ends up killing hundreds of people because he is able to kind of twist narratives as needed. And this is no different. So he he knows at the time that mainstream Christianity and televangelists are not taking him seriously. They don't view him as one of them. And he needs a big name to kind of co-sign on his movement to give it legitimacy. And so he plays to Branham's vanity and the fact that Branham is kind of down and out. And he invites him to have a religious convention at his church, which was not People's Temple yet. But he has a convention in Indianapolis from June 11th to June 15th in 1956. And literally, he builds this convention just to have William Branham come there. It is him saying, we are getting into the evangelist game, mm. is essentially what he's doing here. And it goes well. They, they attract like 20,000 people over a couple days, most of them to see Branham, but they're also seeing Jim Jones in the process. And it had the benefit of making Jim Jones's church look a lot more mainstream than it actually was. Jones would then go on to copy nearly all of Branham's methods and a lot of his means for growing his own following, particularly any faith healing Jim Jones did. It is in Branham's style. He learns it from him. But aside from Jim Jones, a lot of people weren't super on board with Branham anymore. In general, like it legitimizes Jim Jones a little bit, but outside of that, people are kind of done mm -hmm. with Branham. And at the same time, give or take a couple years, he starts doing something a little interesting, and that's making wild prophecy predictions. <laughs> Hell yeah. Now, the one, we're going to talk about one, and then we'll talk about a bunch of his others later, but the one that's most important is that America specifically, mm -hmm. and to a greater extent the world, would die in a nuclear war. And here's the thing. He's predicting this in 1961. At the time, a lot of people believed that. That is a very common belief. This is in the middle of the Cold War. So, like, it's not unheard of for people to say that. People buy into it. Unfortunately, he put a date on it because, like, you know, he's bad at doomsday prophesying. So Jim Jones takes that prophecy and runs with it twisting it so that there's not a date on it. And this becomes part of his basis for his revolutionary suicide that he will then use to kill a lot of people. Um, someone else who latches onto this philosophy, Paul Schaefer, who runs Colonia Dignidad, mm -hmm. he also uses this prophecy as part of his belief system to kind of back up some of the things he was saying about why they needed to move to South America and go underground. Yeah. So yeah. And then people he, latch onto it. He also realized that like, if the world was going to end, he should follow his dreams. And then he actually did use that to become the drummer for the Jimmy Fallon band. I think is the, I don't right, remember right. if it is Jimmy. He was Fallon. on Letterman. Yeah, Schaefer was on Letterman. Yeah, <laughs> I knew it as soon as I said it, these fucking late night show hosts, I can't tell them apart. <laughs> it's all good. So Jimmy Letterman, my bad. Jimmy Letterman. Uh, around that time, uh, specifically by 1960, widespread revivalism had died. 
the number of people actually holding large national revivals and campaigns had dwindled to only 11 people across the United States, where at its peak, there were hundreds, close to 400, only a few years before, holding national meetings. So now it's 11. But those 11 had broadened their message for mass palatability and to be on TV, and they made bank. This is your Oral Roberts. This is Billy Graham, Jerry Falwell Sr. They are your heavy hitters who paved the way for Joel Olstein, Kenneth Copeland, Jim Baker, all of whom deserve their own episodes. Like, yeah, sure, let's do an episode on Creflo Dollar someday, just for fun. <laughs> but, like, that's where this all comes from is this movement where they go from being these revival preachers to embracing TV and just running with it. But Branham took a completely different turn. Instead of broadening his message to make it more palatable for everyone, which we talked about a little bit last time where a lot of these evangelists would, instead of speaking specifically about beliefs, would be like, hope, love, peace, question mark, and just kind of gloss over things, Brandon decides he's going to do the opposite. <laughs> so he started speaking on topics that he'd always wanted to talk about, but had been advised to avoid. Oh, great. I wonder what topics this former clan member I know. could have been what told is it not gonna to be? talk about. <sighs> uh, let me remind you, he grew up during the Depression, mm. uh, idolizing the clan, mm. and by the 1960s, all the people he had previously toured with were now household names, considered him to be controversial and a harmful figure to them, and openly shunned him in his beliefs. What beliefs do you ask? Let's get into it. First and foremost, he argued that his entire ministry was divinely inspired and couldn't be selectively rejected or accepted. So what that means is either if you believe any of it, that means you believe all of it. So it's either all God or no God. And if you don't believe any of it, that means you believe that I am satanic, essentially, like subsequently not of God. And honestly, I fall into that latter category. I think it's all fake, personally. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Like all or nothing. I'm like nothing. Uh, so uh, now here's the weird part of that to me, because he goes hard at that assertion that like if you believe part of it you believe all of it this is important it's me or nothing because like we talked last week about his methods about the the three by five cards and this like whole setup that he had he knew he wasn't healing people or at least I would have to assume he knew he didn't heal people unless he like didn't like, unless he really thought he was healing people and by memorizing the cards, he was just choosing who got spiritually healed. But with all the fraud stuff and all of the lies and things he told, you have to assume that he knew he was not actually doing the things that he said he was doing. But during this period, his assertion would make you think that, no, he does not understand. Hmm. Like, he fully thinks, yes, I did all these things. And if you don't believe me, you can go fuck off. It's also kind of a great tactic in terms of like being a cult leader to 
to sort of like sandwich in some of your crazier beliefs in some that make a little more sense. Like you could have a bunch of stuff that's like, God is good. God is looking out for us. uh, God wants what's best for us. And somebody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, yeah. And also the president of the United States is a shopping bag full of snakes. And you're like, (laughs) well, mm, mm, I like that other stuff. So I'm willing to go with you on this, but I don't know about the snakes. I don't know about the snakes. Hmm. And I, it's really funny that you brought up snakes because snakes are going to, they're going to be a factor. Oh, so fucking awesome. At first, he started just teaching his beliefs in his church at Jeffersonville. And we'll quote some of his sermons later that come from this time, like 1956 to 1962. He then started visiting other churches and would preach all of it, like all the weird stuff he believes, which we have not even scratched the surface of yet. And churches didn't realize that that was what was going to happen. So like they would hire him thinking like, oh, he's the faith healer guy. Because remember, this is in the past. There's no internet. Some churches didn't know that he had tax problems and had defrauded people. So they're inviting them him there thinking that he's like the same national speaker guy. And wow, we can get him at such a low price now. So churches would invite him there and he'd be like, great, I'm here to talk to you about the nuclear apocalypse (laughs) (laughs) and some other shit that we're going to get into in just a second. And churches would just be like, oh, no, what? Who the what? Oh, my God. (laughs) Namely, and we'll cover this extensively in a couple minutes, uh, he would actively preach on what he believed the role of women to be in society. Spoiler. It's not good. It's, it's what is it like a like a like a rogue like a paladin? Yeah, or? I mean like a like a floor rug to be stepped on. Like it's, oh, it's real no. bad. Oh no, that's really bad. It's oh. real bad. Um, and you got to remember too that this is happening in the late fifties, early sixties. So this is like the civil rights movement is starting. The women's mm-hmm. rights movement is starting. Even the Pentecostal churches that he was used to preaching in were shifting and he refused to shift with them because, quote, according to him, God told him not to. And so whenever a church would be like, hey, dude, could you stop saying that women are not human and belong in the kitchen? And he would say, you've choked out the glory and the spirit of God, which is yes. Wait, <laughs> you've choked out the glory and the and spirit, the spirit of, God. of God. Yes. What the fuck does that mean? I don't even, I don't know. I don't even know I that like, he knows. I, no, I, I guess I kind of know what he's saying. Like you, I, But I like to think of it as like a literal thing where he's saying like, you got behind God, put his ass in, in a, a sleeper hold, sleeper hold <laughs> and you put the Lord to sleep, brother. Oh my gosh. Yes, and then Vince McMahon comes out in devil horns. Like, yeah, that, oh that's God. what it seems like. <laughs> yeah, and those are real, by the way. Yeah. He has to sand those down no, every time he comes out. No, it's not a costume. He grows them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Vince McMahon is Satan. He's just, like, twirling that pitchfork like health insurance, you say. No. <laughs> anyway, so he would start out at these churches by, like, dipping his toe in the water where he would preach on some things that are a little more common, albeit not every church accepts them, but they're not considered like 
heresy where he would start okay. with predestination. We're going to have to get into some like deep uh, Protestant denominational theory right now. So predestination, I'm not sure if I've talked about this on the show before, but predestination is the idea in some segments of Christianity, specifically Calvinism, that says that God knows who will choose him ahead of time. And therefore, those people are predestined to enter heaven. And it gets real murky because it kind of invalidates the idea of free will. But also, if you believe that God is omnipotent and omnipresent, then yeah, he would know everything. So is there free will? And if there isn't free will, then God's just picking. And why did he create the people he didn't pick? It is a conversation better left for hallucinogens, to be honest with you. (laughs) Yeah, I thought predestination was the prequel to final destination. So I'm glad that I'm learning. It's where the logs go back onto the truck. (laughs) Yeah, it's just the whole movie of them loading up all the trucks. And setting up the Rube Goldberg machines of death that will eventually kill these teenagers. Yes, exactly. Oh, my God. I also, I don't know. I um, I think it's so funny to just be like, yeah, our entire lives are planned out <laughs> for us. And it's like, well, clearly you've never had an overachieving mother. <laughs> because <laughs> that is God, baby. <laughs> well, and, and I am of the belief that there can be... I guess, middle ground, which is complicated to think about where it's like, yeah, maybe God knows everything, but you are still choosing it. But if he knows that you're choosing, it's like a whole, it's a really complicated, frustrating part of belief to talk about a hundred percent. Yeah. There's, there's also shit like, um, what is that? I, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. It's, uh, I think it's determinism, which is fucking, uh, Vonnegut's whole fucking bag which is like which Vonnegut is a he loves God in a weird way he is like people love God in weird ways a lot of the time people like he loves the idea of God but not like God fully on and it's very strange it's like it's like God is his stepdad and he respects him but is not fully just gonna admit that he's the guy anyway (laughs) that's such a weird but perfect comparison yeah, he. I'm talking about the stepfather, the son, and the Holy Ghost. The stepfather, the stepson, and the Holy Ghost. Amazing. Um, but yeah, determinism basically being like, uh, uh, and this is something that Bobby explained to me. Bobby, um, who comes on to do the uh, oh, our explosives expert Omshirikyo. from Science yeah. Faction. We should have Bobby back on. We got to find a cult with more explosives. Absolutely, not just for Bobby, but for me. I love things that I know. go bang. And, uh, and also, Bobby's like a, a listener favorite. So yeah, know. he's fucking great. But yeah, Bobby was telling me like that whole thing about basically like uh, there is an argument to be made that because you are essentially born from the the like situation that you come from, like your decision making is not your choice but rather like a computer program like you were set up with these parameters and because of the way that you are you would basically react to certain things this way or that way and so like determinism basically says that all people are like this so there is no true free will because everything was going to happen the way it did because you were born into the circumstances you were born into uh 
and it, it gets really murky and i'm doing a bad job of explaining it because it sounds re- like weird and maybe is, racist this is my basis for time travel and time loop movies and loving yeah. because it's this idea of uh it's so interesting like terminator's whole thing is no fate but what we make right yeah but then when you think about it even just looking at terminator no, literally none of their fate is what they made. They fall into the same cycle of fate over and over again. If you watch the uh, German Netflix like series Dark, it explores that as well. One of my favorite parts of Outlander is that no matter what people do, they can't change history. They are just doomed to be where they're supposed to be at a given time, which is kind of like my weird life philosophy where it's like, you know, when people ask, like, if you could go back and change something, would you? No. Everything that happened to me had to happen to me for me to be where I am right now. And I want to be where I am right now. Does that yeah. make sense? And like, that's a that's easier to say when horrible things didn't happen to you. And it's like, you know, you still have to address the fact that like people can be terrible to other people and that causes bad things and we wish that would not happen to people and it's difficult to as a victim of trauma to look back and not question what would happen if you had not been traumatized again this is why i'm saying this gets murky and is probably best discussed on shrooms or some shit (laughs) but he's coming at it from a perspective of there is no real free will god chooses But then he'll also flip around and argue that people have choices to follow his other tenets and it's not, it doesn't impact their salvation at all. So he like contradicts himself a lot. Um, He also believes in something called annihilationism, which is a real interesting, cool sounding belief uh, that is very simplified into the idea that there isn't really an eternal hell. But rather, when Christ returns to fight in the apocalypse, after that battle, Satan and everyone who sides with him are just permanently destroyed for all eternity. So they basically have oblivion instead of suffering, Um, which honestly fits in with a lot of other world religions beliefs that there is no hell. So, like, I feel like that one's debated less. Like, there's a lot more murky arguments to get in with into with predestination. This one, people are just like. Yeah, I mean, if that happens, cool. <laughs> like, no one really cares. Yeah. I uh, I was going to say that Annihilationism sounds like a really dope name for a black metal album. And oh. then you described to me exactly what the story concept would for be the black for that metal. black yeah. metal album. Yeah, fucking, it's just oblivion. It's Honestly, awesome. like, you're not wrong. That, like, that is the perfect, yes. Oh, hell yeah, dude. I'm talking so many kick drums so fast. <laughs> the kind where you're like, they can't play it live. It's physically Ooh, impossible. Yeah. <laughs> mm, God, I love how angry this Swedish person gets. Yeah. So much. So much. Um, now, then he would start to take a bit of a turn because like those first two things are things that Christians of many denominations debate among themselves. And so like believing one way or the other is not necessarily a get out. It's kind of a, oh, well, I mean, we all kind of have questions. Then he throws out that he's non-Trinitarian. So that's also one that people debate. uh, But it's the idea of, is there just God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and they're all one person? 
or God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, who are all independent identities, who are also united in a trinity that is the ruling body. So, but again, people have debates. Um, Then he starts to drop the weird shit. So he started to talk about something called serpent seed doctrine. Oh, no. Now, this has a couple names. Some people call it dual seed or two seed line doctrine. Uh, And it's considered a controversial and very fringe Christian belief uh, that I had never heard of until now. So that tells you how prevalent it is in, in, I would say, your normal Christian denominations. Very few people believe this. But in your uh, white supremacist organizations, widely believed. Now... What this means is in the Garden of Eden, they believe that Eve had sex with the serpent. The serpent got her pregnant and then she has sex with Adam who also gets her pregnant. So she's double pregnant and gives birth to Cain and Abel. And Cain is the offspring of the serpent and therefore the bloodline through which all evil flows through. And Abel is Adam's actual son and unfortunately dies before he has any other children but then she also has seth and then that bloodline abel and seth is where good things come from Um, yeah and we try not to we not we try not to think about how that happened too by the way yeah uh now this also tries to posit that all of the the like conflicts in human history are conflicts between these two races but it gets weirder and of course way more racist because Mm -hmm. This teaching and and portions of this teaching have actually been around since like 100 to 400 AD, Um, mostly in the Gnostic writings of Valentinus and Philip. Um, (laughs) Sorry, I know that it's it's the gospel uh, of Philip. I know that's where like that's where the name is coming from is like probably yeah. to like give homage or whatever but like it's really funny to have Valentinus and Phil and Phil and we Phil. have Phil as well. Uh but even at the time Arrhenius uh who was also writing at about 180 AD uh he decries it as heresy in mm-hmm. his book Against Heresies so like specifically. Um but the Gnostic writings on this stick around. And so in the 19th century, so this is like 1800s, it comes back uh, via theosophy. Um, You're welcome. Like, and it's a weird portion of theosophy. It's not the main one, Um, but it is really, really central to American religious leaders who focus on white supremacy. Um, Also, it gets really popular in British Israelism, which we we talked about like two episodes ago where he meets the guys who are like the British Israelites and they're like, we're the real Jews. And it's like, what? No, like there's no history basing this. And they're basing it on serpent seed is what they're basing it on. They're basing it on snake cum is what let's call it what right. it is. Paige. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're basing it on the slithery cum. Right. So the British Israelites kind of partner up with Christian identity theology, which does have some theosophical elements to it, particularly root race theory, obviously. Mm -hmm. 
And they promote it within the KKK, the Aryan Nations, and the American Nazi Party. That's where Branham hears about it first, because he's part of the Klan. And they use it to justify anti-Semitism and racism, obviously, uh, by claiming that any non-white races are the descendants of Cain and the serpent, and then any white races are descended from the other line. And they interpret that serpent to be either Satan or an intelligent non-human creature that lived in the garden before Adam and Eve. And we got to talk about that intelligent non-human creature theory because that is the one that Branham believed in. Now, he bases this on Genesis 3, 14 and 15. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And she will crush your head or rather he will crush your head, the offspring, and you will strike his heel. Which implies that the serpent is not a serpent as we know it. Like it's not just a snake, but also I think that's a metaphor. I think it's kind of like, hey, snake, your life is going to suck too. You have to be a snake, even though I really like snakes. I think snakes are cool. But they use these verses to argue that anyone from those lines, so that's Jews and anyone who's not white, uh, were descended from something that is non-human and therefore doesn't have a soul and are predestined to go to hell. Now, the identity of that non-human entity as a serpent varies between groups. Some people say Satan, but most of these groups argue that the serpent is an ape-like creature. <laughs> what? Yes. Because, again, they're super racist. And Branham actually talks about in this period that he was first introduced to the idea that black people are descended from apes in 1929 and allegedly rejected it at the time, but now had come to believe it because he believed that the serpent that impregnated Eve was actually part ape and then turned into a snake, which is crazy for regular reasons, but also the most racist thing ever. Like it's so yeah. crazy. That's we also, we have apes like we yeah, have yes. them. They're yeah. not, they didn't, those, it doesn't, I don't understand. I also, if, here's a call to all artists that are listening right now. I want to know what the OG snake looked like, all right? Because I'm assuming it looked a lot like Trogdor from fucking Homestar same, Runner. Same, same. That's what I've been picturing. Uh, yeah, just a buff-ass arm. Yeah. I, I just, I, yeah, I a love the idea. A little wingling dragon. Yes. <laughs> I love the idea that the the what snakes used to look like was just like a buff dude and a snake's body and then just a hog. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I'm talking about snakes had a big old thing. And according to this mythology, Adam watched. Oh no, Adam's a cuck. <laughs> yeah, it's like a oh. it's like a part of it. I was just like why what is this why oh yeah i forgot that part in genesis where they go to that motel six and <laughs> rent a room and get a sony handy cam and do weird stuff yeah Jesus um, fuck. yeah and this is he's preaching this in 1958 so like at the height of racial unrest in the united states he's like 
you know they're not human, right? And you're just like, whoa, dude, like, what? That is madness. So he started referring to them as hybrid, hybrid races. And he allegedly found a way to trace the hybrid line of serpent seed to Africans and Jews through various characters in the Bible who are not related at all, which is, you know, they're like through Ham and then King Ahab and Judas Iscariot. And I'm like, those people are not direct descendants. What are we doing here? This is anyway. He then also gets super against the idea of mixing races because of what? Root race theory. Theosophy ruins the party again. Dope. Uh, Because, again, white supremacist organizations super into root race theory and the idea that the races are levels and you level up in your consecutive lives. Mm -hmm. So he's not preaching the, like, reincarnation parts of it, but he is preaching the you shouldn't mix parts of it. It's wild. So in addition to preaching all of that, he also started preaching something that we're pretty familiar with here at Cult Podcast, restorationism, which is the idea that the church has to get back to the original church in the book of Acts, which means one thing, communes. Fun. Da-da-da. Communes. Commune living, here we come. Everyone's gonna hate it. Yep. Now, in part, this was because most of the people who heard him be like, hey, uh, black people and Jewish people, turns out they're not human. They are part ape. People would be like, what the fuck are you saying? Like, holy shit. Because even the white supremacist people were like, don't say it out loud. And then the people who weren't white supremacists were like, don't say it at all. What? What are we doing here? Like... (laughs) Even regular racist people were like, no, I'm pretty sure they're human and I'm just an asshole. But like, what are we doing here? Like, (laughs) holy shit. I like that insinuation is like, no, look, I'm a piece of shit, but (laughs) you're crazy. Exactly. It's like, I'm a piece of shit, but at least I believe they're human. And then, of course, there's people who are like, all of this is bad. People are people. What are we doing here? (laughs) Like, what is happening? So he's been ostracized by all the churches he used to to tour, including his home church in Jeffersonville. Mm. So he starts to kind of collect the few people who are still following him and preach to them directly, record sermons. And he takes a trip to Tucson where he kind of starts to set up a commune and people move there with him to try and live close to him. Now, in Arizona, it's mostly white people in his group yeah, and snakes and snakes so he decides to kind of shift focus like don't get me wrong he is still talking about all of the serpent seed craziness but he puts his main focus on the only thing he hates more than people of color women (laughs) women (laughs) hates them is he gonna use the whole like the Eve is the one who damned us, and that's why, like, oh, women are... so much worse. Yes, oh, awesome. Yep, Dope. yep, yep, yeah. Uh, he starts out by saying we shouldn't educate women at all mm. because education in general is bad because it causes people to reject the supernatural. So, essentially, he's basically saying, like, don't go to school, you might question supernatural things, and I'm like. 
oh, you mean ask myself if it's a ghost or just you? Like, <laughs> like you should question it. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. So he also denounces cigarettes, alcohol, television, and rock and roll. Uh television of course because that's where all his former friends are uh yeah and rock and roll just because he can't get into it he can't get into it he's more of a hip-hop man yeah and i mean anyone who writes creationist bestiality fan fiction but then like won't get down with rock and roll i'm like bro you're no fun (laughs) like what are we doing but one of the biggest things that he opposed was the women's rights movement he started teaching that women who cut their hair were breaking God's commandments. And if you used makeup, you were guilty of committing adultery because the idea would be that you would motivate other men who saw you to lust. And therefore that was your fault, Uh, which, Hey, like pause for a second. The church at large still has a problem with this where they hold women in their appearance responsible for men's actions and thoughts, which is not okay. Men can exercise self-control. Men are responsible for their actions and you should not blame women for that. It's the whole argument of what was she wearing? Doesn't fucking matter. Rape is wrong regardless. Like, so that's, he's teaching the most extreme version of what was she wearing? He also believed that women shouldn't have jobs. They shouldn't work outside the house. They should only be in the kitchen. Like, and he's not saying it as a joke. Like, he is absolutely serious. Yeah. His his wife has a futon in the kitchen, and she is not allowed to leave. (laughs) She sleeps there. Uh, Now, his basis for this, he argues that his biblical basis for this is the idea that Eve is taken from one of Adam's ribs. And... That for him means that she's not part of God's original creation. She is a byproduct of man. So she is not necessarily human on her own. She has no agency. She is basically tied to whatever man wants her to do. Now, I would say that modern Christianity often interprets the taking of Adam's rib to mean that women are supposed to collaboratively work with men. Like, you basically work together in relationships, which I think would bear out across all relationships that you invest in each other for that. That's not what he's taking from this. He's taking from this that women are not fully human. <laughs> oh, are you surprised wild. that the guy who thinks a snake jizzed in a lady an and ape made snake, people? by the way, an, an ape, ape snake. snake, an ape snake. Oh, I'm sorry, Paige. Are you surprised that because I forgot that it was an ape snake? Are you surprised that the guy who thinks that a snake mixed with an ape came in a lady and created me? Do you you're surprised this guy has dumb ideas? Oh. On- no, ape snake Anything. together strong. Like I, I fully, <laughs> I fully was ready for this to go off the rails. Oh um, my god! And and that's a level of terrible that I've definitely heard before. I have heard people argue those things, um, but then he doubled down on it when people asked him a question. So I would like to read a quote from one of his sermons in 1965. Mm-hmm. Uh, quote: "There is nothing designed to stoop so low or be filthy, but a woman." A dog can't do it. A hog can't do it. A bird can't do it. 
No animal is immoral, nor it can be, for it is not destined so it can be. A female hog can't be immoral. A female dog can't be immoral. A female bird can't be immoral. A woman is the only thing that can do it. She is designed alone for filth and unclean living. A dog can't, and no other female can. It's just the woman that can. A dog or any other animals once a year, and that for her babies. Not for sexual pleasure, but her babies. And the quote goes on. It it goes on much longer. But I feel like you get the gist. It sounds like he wants to fuck a dog. It sounds a lot like he's like, look, dog don't do it. Dog don't complain. Look, every single time I stay out with the fellas, I come home. My wife, my bitch of a wife, right? She starts yelling at me. Dog never yell at me. Dog always listens to my problems, okay? Well, I do think it's funny that he he seems to believe in this passage that dogs have sex once a year to have babies. And first of all, dogs fully fuck whenever. Yeah. Dogs will fuck male dogs. Dogs dogs will fuck anything. Like, that's such a crazy thing to say. <laughs> I watched a dog fuck a blanket last week. All yeah. right? Dog yeah. will fuck anything. I watched a turtle fuck a bicycle helmet. Like, <laughs> like to compare animals. Like, this is so strange. Um... He also finishes this quote by saying, women are only a piece of scrap made from a man to deceive him by. God made it. Right there he has proved it. That's what she was made for. Which is like a great, like, holy shit. And all I have to say is like, who dumped you? Like, what? <laughs> like who hurt you? Because he goes on to say that they are essentially immoral sexual machines who were to blame for adultery, divorce, and death. That's wow. it. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So that alienates I, a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. About 50 or more. 50% or more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, obviously some women stuck around, but now he's got a dwindling congregation in Arizona that live near him, and it's purely white supremacists that believe his serpent seed theory. Now, on the flip side, because of his tax problems... Um, he rejected the new version of gospel that Oral Roberts was preaching. What was that? Prosperity gospel. Like, he sees the televangelist getting into the money-making machine that we will see from this point on. And he starts railing against them. He's writing essays, letters, and no one fucking cares. Which, here's the... Because he's also being like ape snake jizzed in eve so like he's saying such weird shit that no one's listening to the one good thing he's saying because broken clock right twice a day i guess but like his one thing is there's no biblical basis for prosperity gospel this is grifting and everyone's just like don't listen to the guy who thinks about ape snake like don't but at the same time prosperity gospel is evil like it is not good like it is conning people out of money to this day it is why we really need to reevaluate how our tax codes deal with religious organizations like he what he is saying in this one piece is right but then he's following it up with by the way did you know that dogs don't have sex for pleasure that's why women are filthy and you're just like what what also, are you talking about? Fuck you, dude. I've seen dogs eat human shit off of a sidewalk, my guy. <laughs> I know. This I ain't is... never seen a woman eat shit. I'm Okay, wait. I've never seen a, a woman that wasn't with another woman in a cup eat shit. Right. Okay? 
Right. So he decides to go fully the other way and he invests in commune life. Which commune living. Commune living. Commune living here. So I think he started to believe his own bullshit. And he starts preaching exclusively to those people and starts making a bunch of prophecies. Uh, specifically, he gets really into the idea of the seven seals and the seven church ages, which is the same shit that David Koresh got into. It is Doomsday Cult 101. So in 1962, in his commune in Arizona, he starts blasting out all these prophecies. And he would claim that they were prophecies that he had made in the past, but he's just talking about them now. So, like, he claims that all of these sermons that he is giving right now uh, were inspired through an angelic visitation in an interesting format. Um, he saw a cloud in the sky that seemed to not move. No, no, come on. Yep. And he interpreted the cloud to be the personification of Jesus Christ. Um, and he based that on... Uh, First Thessalonians 4, 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Um, and he believed that this. Hey! Cla- it's me. <laughs> it's God. And you're just sitting there. Like, hey! oh, what? Oh, oh, shit. Ape snake is not real. <laughs> oh, 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 God. So he believed that this cloud that wasn't moving <laughs> meant that the rapture was imminent. Uh, now, I'm not going to spoil things for people and say that clouds not moving is an indication of weird shit hiding in those clouds. Yeah. Uh, but I will say that a few years later, we found out that the University of Arizona was working with Vandenberg Air Force Base and they accidentally detonated a rocket causing that cloud. <laughs> and at the time... It was widely known that that had happened. It was like reported in newspapers. So people actively were like, hey, dude, that cloud is from this thing that the CIA was testing. And he's just like, nope, it's God. It's gotta be God. This is what happens when you damn newspapers and TV and like listening to other people. You just. Oh, my God. This is so dumb. This is so dumb. But even weirder. Uh, okay. Because Branham goes off about this cloud. He is mm-hmm. all about this cloud. Okay. Yeah, we're still on the... Okay, cool, cool. This guy's just really... Just super, latching on to shit. Super into the cloud. Uh, except <laughs> that it turns out he was not in the area when the cloud appeared. Like, he may have come back in time to see it. Uh, but at the time that the cloud is known to have appeared, he was actually in Texas trying to argue against the conviction of a woman named Leslie Douglas Ashley, who was a sex worker who had murdered a customer. Um, And we don't know why uh, necessarily. Uh, There was another sex worker involved as well. However, part of her defense was to say that she was the return of Elijah the prophet. So William Branham went there to be like, but what if she actually is a prophet? And they were like, yeah, just insanity defense. I don't like, we're not even going to fight it. So he actually does help get, get this, this, this sex worker commit, like her sentence gets commuted to like some time in a, a facility and, and other things. But 
that's where he was, was basically being like, I'm a prophet, so they're a prophet too. So. Tight. <laughs> he comes what? back. He stares, old man shakes fist at Cloud, and then. <laughs> <laughs> he. <laughs> he oh, then fuck. starts to preach sermons on why all denominations are bad. So basically, if you declare yourself as any kind of Christianity, you are actually just as bad as Catholics and are therefore Satan because he (laughs) hated Catholics like so much. So, yeah, I also hate a lot of Catholics, not because of their religion, just they're my family. And I uh, mean, you know, there's reasons to hate a lot of people. Like I hate people who touch kids. So like, you know, yeah, yeah, that includes a lot of Catholics. (laughs) but also other denominations so i'm just you know when people touch kids get them out of here i uh i don't know that (laughs) okay i have to show you this thing just as a really quick to tell you how my night went yesterday um so uh we were walking around in a neighborhood in los angeles after a show we were going Uh to a bar when we saw uh, this poster, which is an image of a man, and it just says, beware of pedophile, and oh, then yikes. a phone number. And so, of course, you I text it. the of number. Of course you did. Of yeah, course, of course I text the did. number. And I said, hey, I heard you're looking for a pedophile. I got him. What do I do with him? To which they <laughs> responded, kill him. Whoop his ass severely. <laughs> and I texted them the picture of the flyer. And said, this guy, right? To which he replied, and I don't know if you'll be able to read this, um, which one? Like, which as in a witch. Okay. Which one? Uh, To which I replied, the guy in the picture. He's a witch, too? (laughs) And he said, no, someone is setting him up. It's this one. And uh, he sent me. (laughs) A different picture? He sent me a different picture of a different guy. What? What is which, happening? To which I replied, okay, I know these are pedophiles, but are the, these are really good pictures. Did you take these? <laughs> to which, okay, so the response is, this guy calls me. And I have oh, this on no. f- video. We have it on video. Oh, the no. phone call that I had with this man whose insinuation is that, first of all, he is the man in the picture, in the first picture. Whoa, in the, what? In the flyer that says, beware of pedophile. Did he make the flyer? His phone number's on it. He, that's what I said. And uh, he's, his insinuation is that he knows that the guy in the second picture, he's the pedophile. And because the guy that I was talking to was spreading the word about how guy number two is a pedophile, guy number two started spreading images of guy number one in order to get the jump on him and but i then why I, did he put his phone number on that's it? what i said that's what i said i don't understand it and to which i said like a uno reverse card and he goes bro like a uno reverse card <laughs> exactly dog <laughs> This whole conversation was so fucking crazy. At one point, he's explaining to me how the pedophile ring works, which is like, you're not convincing me you're not a pedophile. (laughs) Uh, You're definitely not convincing me that you don't have like a cork board with a bunch of red string on it in your basement. Yeah. So this guy goes, this guy goes, uh, (laughs) he he goes, uh, yeah, fool. This guy is like, he's on social media and he's like, 
trying to like slander me but also like he has like a pedophile like social media accounts and he has them on facebook he has them on instagram he's even got them on tiktok and i was like damn on tiktok are they doing numbers and he goes i'm not um i'm actually not sure about the numbers you know tiktok's like hard to like get a following <laughs> on so i don't know are we talking about the algorithm right now yeah like, what are we doing it was the most insane 10 minute phone call of my entire life <laughs> i have it all on video it's fucking great at one point he insists that like tiktok is how pedophiles start but at some point they get through and they find other websites and the way he described that is he goes so they start there right but then eventually like they like they uh uh they break on through to the other side and i was like wait like that song is that what that song's about oh my god is morrison a pedophile and he goes what no dog that's the doors fool <sighs> it was just a a stellar <laughs> A stellar conversation with an an absolute. I still can't wrap person. my here. Here's the thing, I'm gonna be real with you. Uh huh. I think there's a strong chance that neither one of them are pedophiles, and they're just in a fight, and that's yeah. the best insult they can come up with. But the whole poster phone number dance is so strange. To, like, why yeah. did we do this? He kept saying that somebody's trying to set him up because, like, if somebody sees it, they'll, like, go after him so then they can't go after guy number two, who is the actual pedophile. I guess he assumed... He's saying that most people wouldn't think to text, but it's like, why would he put your phone number? Why would he also, put your phone number on it? He explained to me that the reason that they were doing it is because he was like, yeah, fool, you can get, like, 2,000 black and white images printed out for fucking 60 bucks and i go 60 bucks and he goes 60 bucks for tax and all dog and i go where oh are you getting God. this from it's like and a weird goes, kinko's conspiracy yeah he was like it's graphics fool and i was like with a with an x at the end and he goes no dog with the p-h-i-c-s-x and i was like what what are you talking about? It just it the longer it went on. I'm sorry, we don't have to keep talking about no, it. No, but, but now, I, okay, now I've I've uh, I I had some weird interactions with people this past week where it seemed like they are more character than person, and so now this is where my brain's at. Do you think this entire thing is like a Nathan Fielder level <laughs> comedy prank thing? I don't know. It went on for so long, and it also like. At several points, I was certain that he would realize that I was fucking with him, but he never did. He just kept talking for so long. Also, the way that I got into the conversation was by implying that I had in my captivity the yes, guy in the flyer. The guy in the flyer who, who you were talking him. to on the phone. Never piece that together. Not once did he question that. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Because when he did say that, when he was like, I, when I got him to admit he's the guy in the flyer, I went, wait, so then who do I have? And <laughs> he just went, I don't know, dog. <laughs> you go let him go or whatever. Uh <laughs> just absolute insanity. Oh, oh, that's madness. When After this 
call after we finish recording this i have to tell you about the conversation i had with someone we both know that oh yeah i think yeah. i remember that yeah 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 yeah. and and how and what i think of what's going on there uh so <laughs> brandon at this point starts to basically say that he's made a lot a lot of other prophecies along the way so one of them was he reported as a teenager uh basically saying that 16 men would fall to their death during the construction of a bridge. Okay. Uh, but there's no evidence of that ever happening, but he claims it does. Um, then he also claimed that he predicted the flood that killed his wife and daughter, which again, we covered last time did not actually kill his wife and daughter. Then he started to claim oh, wait, that also, if you predicted it, why didn't you move your wife and daughter? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he then also claims that he predicted uh, the Italian occupation of Ethiopia, which if you have not listened to the Behind the Bastards episode on the Italian occupation of Ethiopia, highly recommend. Very interesting. Uh, but he also predicted the rise of Hitler and the Second World War. Okay. However, by the time he's saying these predictions, it's 1953, which means all of that has already happened. So, like, yeah. way to notify people. Um, then he also reported seeing a self-driving egg-shaped car. Now, here's the weird thing. That's something that's true now, but like he claimed that he saw a car in 1960 that fulfilled that vision, even though no one has ever admitted to building a self-driving car in 1960. <laughs> um, but one of his biggest predictions and one that he kind of doubles and triples down on is that he believed that by giving women the right to vote, mm. we would elect the wrong president, which is definitely something that people said about the most recent election. But he meant it about John F. Kennedy. Mm. He then also predicted that a powerful woman would take control of the United States, which, like, still waiting on that one, bro. Um, but he interpreted that to be a metaphor for the Catholic Church, which also tied to the election of John F. Kennedy. He hated Kennedy, like, so much. Well, because he was Catholic, right? He hated, Ca yeah, Kennedy was Catholic, and he hated Catholics, yes. After all these visions, he claimed that the rapture would happen in 1977. He also said that in 1964, Los Angeles would sink into the ocean. <laughs> Still waiting on it, bro. Yeah. Still waiting. Um, and he doubled down by saying it would happen by 1977 and that it would be preceded by worldwide disasters. Now, here's the thing. The 70s are an incredibly violent decade. But last I heard, nobody got raptured. Um, and he also claimed that the Pope would take over the earth and that the Pope would basically be the Antichrist. And that's how the rapture would happen. And this was so outlandish that Time Magazine actually includes it in a list of failed predictions as one of the top 10 <laughs> end of the world prophecies. Um, regardless, on December 18th, 1965, he and his family, with the exception of one of his daughters, were returning to Jeffersonville, Indiana from Tucson for Christmas. And about three miles east of Friona, Texas, they were struck by a drunk driver in a head-on collision everyone else in the car passed away at the scene he was rushed to a hospital in amarillo texas where he remained comatose for nearly a week before dying of his injuries on christmas eve 1965 
Now, again, this is only 10 years from one of his most successful campaigns in Europe. So in the span of 10 years, he has gone from being the most popular guy on earth, practically, to losing a lot of his money, being discredited, being accused of fraud, starting a commune, and then preaching that women are not human and black people and Jews are descended from ape snake. And so it's been a wild 10 years. Yeah. So the world is kind of shocked that he's dead. His funeral is had a week later, uh, but they delayed his burial until April so he could be buried on Easter because he had started to claim that he was the next prophet and therefore <sighs> might rise again. Like if he died, he might come back. Now, Gordon Lindsay, who, if you'll remember, is the one who embezzled all the money from him, gave a eulogy that stated that his death was the will of God. And it was because he was preaching falsehoods. So if you can imagine somebody getting up at your funeral and being like, it is sad, but he shouldn't have said that shit about <laughs> Ape Snake. <laughs> yeah. That's basically what his eulogy was. From a guy who stole millions of dollars from him. His eulogy was like, look, it is sad that he died. But what was he wearing, though? What was he wearing, though? And that is the end of the life of William Branham. Good fucking riddance, honestly. Yep, yep <laughs> honestly. Like, not missing him. No, 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 not at all. Oh, my God. I... I hate this guy. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that's not a controversial opinion to have. Um, yeah. But just like, my God, what an absolute yeah. dumbass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's dumb, but also just like a shitty person. <laughs> like, it doesn't take, you don't have to be smart to hear that version of the story and be like, no. Like, yeah. <laughs> This is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you know what? We've talked about a lot of things here. We've talked about Ape Snake. We talked about Randy James. Yep. Um, we, we talked about clouds that don't move and how that is fear inducing. Yep. Uh, mm -hmm, yep. Mm -hmm. Or the opposite of that. And, uh, yeah, I, I want to say, Paige, thank you so much for bringing this episode and this series, because it, this is, this is like the perfect level of like, it's just a villain. Like, it's just a guy yeah. who sucks ass and we can yeah. all just rip on him for sucking ass. But also like <laughs> the level of insanity you kept saying after each episode, oh, wait, cause next week is going to be even stupider. And I kept thinking to myself, how? How on <laughs> earth could it be dumber than this and you'd never disappointed? Nope. <laughs> oh. Yeah, when I read through this for the first time and read the, the serpent seed theory, I was like, we got to do this. Absolutely. And then I got to the part about the cloud, cloud that doesn't move and I was like, oh, we definitely got to do this. Just a, just a very fun fucking thing. Um, hey, listen. My name's Armando Torres, uh, if you weren't familiar. Uh, I'm on the show all the time. And uh, you can follow me on social media at Mondo Does Stuff. That's M-A-N-D-O Does Stuff, all one word. Uh, and that's on TikTok, uh, Twitter, Instagram. And one day, I'm going to 
break on through to the other side, fool. You know what I'm talking <laughs> about, homie? CISO, my dog, CISO. <laughs> I'm on that LinkedIn tip. We're going to get LinkedIn. We're going to get so many numbers on LinkedIn. <laughs> I've been, uh, I've been, I've been like updating my LinkedIn page because I'm a professional and I realized that I have to like actually, uh, I make know, my shit look, that. it's so dumb. And I, my, the thing I have anger about most, and I did tweet this out is that no one's treating LinkedIn like 2010's Facebook where it's I like know. hustler from 2002 to present. I desperately want to, except I am a corporate adult. Um, yeah. So I can't. Yeah, that is the downside is like, I really wish that I could just shit post on LinkedIn, but I don't want to. I want to yeah. be a professional page. Ooh. I know. I feel you. I, I can has job. <laughs> I can has employment and health insurance, please. <laughs> I can have a little bit of dental coverage as a treat. <laughs> uh, speaking about being a professional, hey, this Wednesday, the 31st, I will be doing the Gateway Show at the Ontario. Ontario Improv. That's right. I'll be doing stand-up comedy where I talk about shitting my pants and then smoking weed in public. Um, so yeah, come out to that. It's the 31st, like I said, the Ontario Improv in Ontario, California, not Canada. Mm-hmm. Although I wish it was. And uh yeah, come out to that. It's gonna be a blast. It's gonna be a great time. It's gonna be uh me. It's gonna be the homeboy Billy Anderson. It's gonna be the very good friend of mine, Ify Nwadaway. All right. Oh, it's gonna fuck. that's fucking, gonna be a good show. It's gonna rock, baby. It's awesome. So come on out to that. Um, the 31st, you can find out more on my Instagram or, uh, gateway comedy is, uh, the, uh, Instagram name for the show. Um, yeah, I love you so much. Goodbye. Good night. Good luck. I wish you the best. Hey everybody. It's your girl. You hear me every week. I'm here. And if you need to hear me more, you can listen to Horror Virgin or Romancing the Pod or Blackheart Rehab, other places where I talk into microphones. Uh, if you want to follow me on social media, you could do so at Rampage Wesley on Instagram and TikTok and at Page Wesley on Twitter. For shows, I will be battling Guam Felix October 11th at the Comedy Store in Hollywood, California. If you want to see my roast battles and haven't been able to see them live, A lot of them are being featured on both the Roast Radio podcast or the RBL Weekly Recap podcast where they're actually showing videos of some of the battles of the past week. And sometimes I get to co-host that, which is pretty fun. You also have only two more days to buy Andrea Gazetta's book. Just keeping it front of your mind. And if you are a fan of Crystal Adams, who's guested on the show before, her album is out this week and it is extremely funny. Highly recommend uh, it's called Ain't I a Wombat. All kinds of good things. Uh, I love you all so much. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. Hey, if you want to follow our show on social media, you can by going to at Colt Podcast on Instagram. Or at Colt Podcast Show on Twitter. You can also send us an email to coltpodcastshoe at gmail.com. Did I say Col- shoe? <laughs> you did. You did. But I want you to. Okay. Yeah. Uh, leave it in. <laughs> 
All right. Yeah. No, leave that in. I want to give you a quick update on what was happening. Uh, I was checking my email because my a pair of shoes that I ordered from Nike are supposed to come today. And so <laughs> I was looking at it. Said Colt Podcast Show, uh, Colt Podcast Show at gmail.com. But here's what I'm gonna say if you want to draw out what you think the Colt Podcast Shoe would be, <laughs> I want you to do that with crayons only mm-hmm. and send that to 3756 West Avenue 40, Sweet K, number 237, like, like the, shining. the Shining, Los Angeles, California, 90065. And I think for this one, I'm going to say, don't drink any of Ape Snake's jizz. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, I feel like Ape Snake doesn't exist and this is all a bad idea anyway. But if you encounter an Ape Snake, mm. run and don't drink anything. Mm, mm, and mm. definitely don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye. Yeah.